0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.
1: Fourth down, Shortell has some time, and it is picked off. Kirksey with the interception, and running room down the far sideline. Christian Kirksey eludes the quarterback. Takes it the distance.
0: The wide receiver just does not get any separation. He allows Kirksey to stay right in his hip pocket. Shortell throws the ball out there. A nice, easy interception.
1: 68 yards on the interception return for the junior from St. Louis, Christian Kirksey. Appropriate on a day where the Iowa defense has been stout.
0: Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's. Victory over Minnesota and previews the upcoming game against Michigan State in East Lansing. This program also features the weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs this year, which include Brent Balbonat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters and columnist Scott Doctorman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Brent Balbonat's press box report and both of the reporters' notebook shows. The Iowa Minnesota game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2 with announcers Beth Mullins and Joey Galloway. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefense Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeyes Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's homecoming win over the Golden Gophers, and he previews the Hawks' first Big Ten road game at Michigan State.
2: Marv, we said before the Minnesota game this was as close to a must-win as you could have under the circumstances. It was clearly Iowa's best overall performance this season so far.
3: 100%. I mean, you know, complete... Well, the first half was anyway. Uh, the second half got a little sloppy, but uh, but ultimately the first half, I mean, they came out and, and, and obviously did what they wanted to do and that was establish the run and, and uh, control the line of scrimmage and, and, and Wiseman's continued to, to get it done for the Hawks. So uh, it's a great story and uh, he's been a great uh, shot in the arm for the offense you've
2: been stressing all along the importance of getting more big plays offensively against Minnesota the Hawks had three plays exceed 30 yards that's a positive but as a coach going into a game do you sort of have a goal that you set for how many times you want to go vertical or try to how many big plays you want to try to get in a given game
3: well a lot of times it's, you're going to take what the defense gives you um, you know so a lot of times they may force you to just, just to be conservative and to take the underneath stuff but still I mean still you got to try to find a, a way to get you know and stretch it out because if if they are playing deep, you know, if you can just keep them back there, that's going to open up the 10-yard curls, the 12-yard dig routes, the in routes, things like that. So you got to continually kind of periodically not, even if you don't take shots, have guys running down the seams or on the post just to sh- show that you got guys going that way. So they need to deepen and, and, and respect that. So, you know, the flea flicker was brilliant. Even if it doesn't work, it just shows people that we, we have it. Now the great thing is is everybody's, this is in the cycle now, so all the defenses that we play are going to make sure the safeties is in you are going to have to make sure that they continue to, to stay with their guys and not get so involved in the running game so that's going to pay huge benefits down the road as well
2: you alluded to it a moment ago iowa's offense really pretty much outstanding in the first half and then it kind of disappeared in the second half what did you see going on there
3: well i think you know part of it is, 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 is other teams going to make adjustments um, you know the other part is too you, you are you are up Pretty substantial, and you're in good control, and you know. And the one thing you don't want to do is, is you know, beat yourself at that point. And and uh, with the defense playing well, I think you know, I'm not necessarily saying the offense got conservative, but I don't think they were, you know, attacking with the same vigor that they were in the first half.
2: One of the things that was interesting to watch, especially looking at the video after the game, was there were several times in the second half when the Gophers actually blitzed both cornerbacks simultaneously. That's not something you see very often. And Iowa talked about the fact they didn't adjust very well. They weren't running the hot routes, they weren't getting the sight reads, they weren't on the same page. Talk about that a bit.
3: That's that, that tough. I mean, that, that's, that's something you don't expect all the time. The corner blitzes are difficult uh, and you really have to pay attention. Uh, it's hard for the quarterbacks because he gets used to checking linebackers and safeties and, you know, safeties will kind of tell you where it's coming from, but but ultimately it's it's difficult to, to check the corner now. The, 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 really, the only time you really need to worry about it is if you're in the boundary because then he can actually get to you fairly quickly. So, But yeah, to see two corner blitzes was difficult, but ultimately that's, you know, if they're doing that, then they're vulnerable somewhere and we've got to be able to find those areas and and, and take advantage of them when when those situations present themselves.
2: What kind of hot routes would you typically try to execute against a corner blitz like that?
3: A corner blitz, we call like a look, you know, where he would just, he would look and the quarterback if the quarterback sees it, it's going to just bang it like a quick hitch out there, because usually what you have is you have a backer scrambling to get out there or a safety coming over from from his location to try to get out there and cover it up and then most of the time it would be just like I said just literally just turn and look for the ball and hey bang it on you and then if you make one guy miss you got a good play so
2: is that something that's almost always going to be within five yards of the line of scrimmage
3: yes yeah any, any longer any longer on a side adjust. now you're just getting a deep defensive back and in the mix.
2: Iowa's offensive line continues to develop. Looks like it has a chance to be a real strength for this team through the balance of the season. Another game where there were ginormous holes for the running backs and again, no sacks on Vandenberg.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's one thing you want to keep your quarterback clean. And, and and ultimately if you do have a good running game, they have to play run first. And it's hard. If, you, if you're playing run first and then try to get in a pass rush mode after that, It's you're almost done just by uh, your tempo and, and the way you're playing against the run. And it's, it's very, very difficult to get to the quarterback at that point. So, you know, that that's huge for us. Like I said, obviously, it sets up our play action. So, trust me, the, the best pass uh, protection is a great running game for a quarterback who throws the ball really quick.
2: Wiseman, again, with an impressive performance. He only got five carries in the second half, which was probably a product both of Minnesota's defense and what Iowa was trying to do offensively. But part of that, he was well on his way to another 200-plus yard game, it looked like.
3: Yeah, I thought for sure he was going to get it. And, you know, I mean, the one thing that you got to be careful with is, you know, this is you know, he's going to take a lot of hits now in the next four or five weeks as we get into the Big Ten schedule, and you know, you start giving him 30, 32, 35 carries a game, you know, especially when the game's out of control, uh, and Iowa's got a, you know, an advantage. I think it does make sense to, to, to tone it back, don't let him get all the collisions and the hits on his body and the wear, and and try to keep him as fresh as possible.
2: Kirk talked this week at his press conference about the likelihood that they will try to use both uh, Wiseman and, and Bullock, who's coming back for the Michigan State game in the backfield simultaneously, and I get the impression, and he's addressed this a couple of different times, that he's not necessarily talking about using them both in a traditional fullback-tailback back situation. What are some of the ways they could use dual backs outside of that fullback-tailback? Back?
3: Well, you can. Uh, what you can do is you can run, you know, have, have split backs, and you can run zone, inside zone, with an underneath handoff with either back, you know, so you can check and decide which way you're running zone, and the other guy will wrap and and run an option, or he can actually sting. We call it sting, where he he'd lead in there, uh, give you like a zone lead action. So, you know, so it's, 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 imagine just two, a split back. The back on the left is coming underneath the quarterback, getting an inside handoff. He's running zone that way. And then the back on the right now can go lead on that inside backer and help clean up anything in there. So I mean that's that's a way you can use those two guys and, and if you want to run, you know, if you're if you're checking the zone, which I think Iowa does a lot, you know, check to the to the to the nose, you know, it allows you to, to basically, you know, predetermine who's gonna get the ball and, and, and get the you know, get into a good offensive snap every single time.
2: Yeah, and they had Bullock playing some at out last season, so you wonder if you might see starting out in a double running back situation and then shifting Bullock in into a slot, maybe as a receiver.
3: That would be another great changeup, and that would be something that Coach Davis would, you know, has is, is kind of been him his mo, and that he's willing to to move guys around and line them up, and, and ultimately try to create a mismatch. And you know, if you get a safety out there, a defensive back or corner on a running back that's physical, it can block. I mean, that's an advantage for the offense as far as the blocking goes. You know, or if you get a linebacker that, that walks out with the with the back, now the back has an advantage in the passing game. So uh, you know, you you kind of look for those advantages, and that's something I think Coach Davis will be doing.
2: We saw some good plays by the wideouts and a couple of key catches by the tight ends finally in that game how much closer are they getting do you think in these offensive schemes
3: you know I think I think a lot closer you know I, I, Fedora's had one over 35 yards or something I mean those are those are the kind of plays we need to see you know more and more and more of and and just constantly you know when you, once we get inside the 20-yard line I mean defenses should be afraid of that guy uh, and Keenan Davis and all those guys as far as their physical nature uh, and their size and stuff so you know they just got to continue to improve you know the one thing that you can't ever say enough is if you want to catch footballs at, at, a, at a big time level you better be where the quarterback expects you to be you know he, he he expects you to be in certain spots at certain times and if you're there he's going to get the ball to you if you're not he's going to he's going to come off you pretty quick and, and go to the next guy so you know I think that's just a continual uh, repetition thing in practice and confidence thing and, and I you know hopefully like I said we're going to start seeing some more and more devol- uh, in involvement by the tight end position.
2: Another really solid Performance by the defense it does make that Central Michigan game look more like an aberration than the norm. And in this Minnesota game, they appeared to be more aggressive compared to what we've often seen in the past. And they finally stopped an opponent's opening drive. In fact, the Gophers didn't even score their first points until more than halfway through the third quarter. Talk about the defense's play.
3: Well, I, I thought they played very, very spirited. You know, kind of that the way we had always talked about, where you know you got to play you know with with a with a little bit of chip on your shoulder, and and, and ultimately. You can test your, your area and make sure that you control that area and, and don't get caught doing somebody else's job. And I think when you play team defense like that and you use you, your athleticism, you know, you got a, you got a really good chance to be successful defensively. And, and uh, you know, I, mean, that, I think that's what this group's going to be. They're going to be a team defense. I mean, I don't think you're going to see any, you know, superstars uh, necessarily you know, every single week. I think you're going to see guys, you know, that'll wear the hat this week and then there'll be a different guy next week as far as the uh, the MVP for the defense.
2: You did see again which we've seen in some of the earlier games where the opponent would run some deep routes and the receivers would be pretty much wide open, but the quarterback was unable to complete passes. Is that a product both of maybe a little bit more of the aggressiveness Iowa showed in that game, or is there still some breakdown on the part of the of the defensive backs?
3: You know, I think, you know, one, Northwestern Minnesota was starting a new quarterback. I mean, he, he had some experience as a freshman and, and played in the game prior to the Iowa game you know he hadn't been working with those receivers as much as Marquise Gray had been and, and so some of that's just a timing factor and like we talk about I mean he's got a you know, he's looking you know for somebody at a certain time and if the receiver's not ready for it then he's coming off of it and, and having problems but you know I, I think ultimately you know the general nature is you know kind of bend but don't break defensively and and you're willing to give up that play in front of you for a couple reasons one it's not gonna be a touchdown it's not gonna be top of you two but the ball could get batted down three the guy could drop it i mean there's all kinds of things that could happen and they still need to complete that pass and so you're, you're willing to give those up versus you know letting the ball get down on the seams or let the ball get over the top of you
2: perhaps the most impressive stat defensively so far at least is plus seven takeaways in fact iowa coming out of this week and even their bye week they ranked 14th in the fbs in that category and they were plus four against the gophers including some big plays and especially the 68 yard pick six by Kirksey.
3: yeah I mean, that guy's incredible. Incredibly athletic, and you know that's you know one of the things we talk about is is when you can create big plays like that, big momentum shifts, whether it's special teams or a defensive score. I mean that's almost demoralizing for the other team. I mean just the crowd go nuts, you know, or they are deflated, uh, you know, deflated. But ultimately, those are the kind of big plays that we you know we would love to see more of, and and ideally we can. I mean we got some great athletic linebackers, you know, that can do some great things, and and, and definitely play the pass extremely well.
2: Much better special teams play, and Meyer continues. Continues to show increased strength on in his kickoffs, which was really important in that game because it kept Troy Stottemeyer from being a factor in the kickoff returns.
3: Yeah, and, and the new rules in college football and pro football with the kickoff, you know, I mean it pays to have a big leg. I mean it truly does from a field position standpoint, and you know it keeps it keeps you know defenses or offenses that keeps them in, you know, you just don't want the ball coming out to the 50. You know, you don't want short fields for, for teams. And if you feel like you can make them march 75 yards, you know, that's, you know, six, five or six consecutive first downs to get a touchdown. You know, they got to earn that. So, I mean, I think uh, defensively coaches love the fact that, you know, the starting point's on the 20 or 25.
0: After the Big Ten update, Marv takes a look at the Michigan State game. How about that? Oh, well, they're going to
1: keep it in Vandenberg's hands. Still no signal. And there it is. Touchdown, Hawkeyes. A surprise to you and I, but the Hawkeyes will take the points. Vandenberg has been very strong at the helm today. Coaches were quick to point out yesterday. Statistically, he's not near where he was last year, but they really say that his leadership is still spot on. And certainly his game management so far today has been there with the help of Weissman coming out of the backfield.
0: In our Big Ten update this week, the national spike in scoring is also including the conference known in the past for three yards in a cloud of dust. And while Hayden Fry had a lot to do with getting rid of that legacy, Big Ten teams this season are putting points on the board that would have been unheard of just a few years ago. And defenses across the conference are being stretched to their limits. In last weekend's game, eight conference teams scored 27 or more points. And the average point total for the five winning schools was a whopping, 41.6. In four games, the combined point total of the two teams was 57 or more, and the Nebraska and Ohio State offenses combined for an eye-popping 101 points in Columbus. I'm pretty certain our grandparents would not recognize this version of the Big Ten. There were some more outstanding individual performances as well, including Michigan quarterback Denard Robinson, who became the conference's all-time rushing QB. Against Purdue, he racked up 235 yards, and four touchdowns, and for the first time this season, he did not throw an interception. For his career, Robinson has 3,905 yards rushing, and Michigan's success this season seems to correlate directly with Robinson's performances. Wisconsin showed signs of offensive life at home against Illinois, including Monte Ball's first good game of the year. Ball had 116 yards rushing and two TDs versus the Illini, and the Badgers overall gained 173 yards on the ground. Their offense remains Inconsistent though, and it will be interesting to see how it fares in West Lafayette this Saturday as Purdue's defense last week was like a sieve against Michigan. Speaking of leaky defenses, Nebraska continues to struggle on the road, suffering two embarrassing defeats this season at UCLA and then at Ohio State last Saturday, where the Black Shirts surrendered 63 points. That's the most ever allowed by a Polini coached team. Since joining the Big Ten, the Cornhuskers are two and three as the visiting team and since 2010, Nebraska's road record is only 3-8, and eight, and those wins came against Wyoming, Minnesota, and Penn State right after Paterno's dismissal. Things might not be any easier given its remaining road games this year at Northwestern, at Michigan State, and, of course, finishing the season at Iowa. The debate continues regarding this year's version of the conference, parody or mediocrity, and a sad commentary on the breakdown of the divisions is that the leaders' division will likely be represented by its third best team in the Big Ten's championship game, since both Ohio State and Penn State are ineligible, and they are clearly the best teams in that division, at least as of right now. In what will certainly be a key game to determine the leaders division representative, Wisconsin travels to Purdue this weekend, and the winner of that game will at least have a leg up in terms of the championship game, and believe it or not, a possible Rose Bowl berth. Remember, the other two leaders division teams are Illinois and Indiana. Probably the key Big Ten game this Saturday is Iowa at Michigan State. The loser in East Lansing, especially if it's the Spartans, probably falls by the wayside in the race to represent the Legends division in the conference title game. So while it's still early in the season, there's a lot on the line in this contest. Minnesota will try to bounce back from its loss to Iowa, hosting Northwestern in Minneapolis, while Illinois will sacrifice itself to Michigan in the Big House, and Ohio State should have little trouble at Indiana. The last time the Big Ten appeared to be this evening even was in 2000 when Michigan, Northwestern, and Purdue tied for the title with six and two records. Oh, and I forgot this: the conference has no team ranked in the USA Today coaches or Harris polls. None in the AP poll, which ignores little things like ineligibility. The Buckeyes are ranked eighth, and the Wolverines 25th. That probably answers the debate right now about mediocrity versus parity.
2: Forecast for tomorrow: a few sprinkles of genius for the chance of doom.
0: Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbonat on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbonat and Brommel Camp Show, weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. <laughs> Next, Marv Cook previews the Michigan State game. According to Michigan State, to
2: some extent, they appear to be similar to Iowa—a stout defense, a developing offense with a fair amount of youth and inexperience.
3: Yeah, to me, they're kind of the team that you know all summer long is in the weight room and doing all the things that they thought they needed to do, and they thought they were a top-five team. And and I get that because they're incredibly athletic and, and talented and gifted, and have had success. But there's a there's a different mentality when you when you when you're preparing with a little bit of chip on your shoulder. And I think once they got in the season, they saw you know what these other teams are pretty good too. And talented as well, so you know there's not a lot of difference athletically between the different levels in the Big Ten. So the lesson is you got to you got to try to get better every single day. I mean you got to work and push and and practice hard and practice fast and and compete and, and do it every single day. And then ultimately that makes it that much easier on Saturday versus you know trying to just turn it on on Friday night and not have a lot of success. So you know so from that standpoint you know I think I was uh, just got to continue. You know I mean to to, to understand the challenge ahead it, and it's, it's going to be a a spirited location to play football up there in East Lansing, and Michigan State is very, very gifted. And the thing to me is, I thought they got up to a horrendous start last week against Indiana, down seventeen nothing on the road, and they almost then flipped the switch, you know, and then came back and, and did some some impressive things offensively and defensively to be able to come out and get the win. You know, that's the kind of thing you can't do against a great team, though. If you start that flat against a great team, you're going to get beat. And, and um, you know, hopefully Iowa can can put them in some bad situations and make them make those mistakes. Yeah,
2: you know, some interesting parallels really, between the two programs this season. And following a little bit about how Michigan State fans have been reacting to what's happened to the Spartans so far this year, it's either, and especially what happened in that Indiana game, it's either they're on course to be ultimately before the season's done what people thought they were going to be in the preseason, or it's right on the edge. They've barely, you know, escaped with that win in Indiana. And to some degree, it's a little bit like the fans' reaction to the Iowa uh, results so far this season which makes you wonder how much you really know about either one of these programs at this point and yeah, and and it makes it hard to predict what's going to happen in this game too doesn't
3: it it really is i mean it's to me it's they, they are pretty much clones of each other right now as far as what they want to do and how they want to go about their business uh you know both coaches are very stoic and 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 detail oriented so you know it's it ultimately it's going to be the team that runs the ball well and i don't think michigan state has had you know that much success Run the football this season. I mean, they, they have had a little bit more difficult schedule than Iowa, but uh, still, I mean, you know, they just have not been a dominant rushing team that we've seen in the past. And and when you got a quarterback starting for the first time, I mean, that's difficult. I mean, it's a lot of the you know the, the, the down and distance comes on your shoulders, and you got to step up and make plays over and over and over again. And that's that's a tough thing for a, a relatively new quarterback. Yeah,
2: you know, Le'Veon Bell continues to put up some some decent numbers, but you wonder, just like Iowa, how much of Michigan State's difficulties on offense has been their inability to have a balanced attack. Until the Indiana game, really, they had struggled in the passing game, and that was sort of a breakout game for both their young quarterback and a true freshman whiteout. Uh, set the it became the first true freshman in, in Spartans history to have a 100-yard-plus game of receiving. So that's one thing that came out of the Iowa-Minnesota game that I know the Iowa players and coaching staff was pleased about was the balance Iowa had on offense against the Gophers, uh, and it seemed like Michigan State may finally have found that balance against the Hoosiers.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that they'll that's what they'll need. I mean, Norm Parker used to be, and I'm sure Phil inherited some of this. You want to make a team one-dimensional. You know, if you can make them feel like they got to pass all the time, uh, then you, you've got a huge advantage. And and I think if they can run the ball effectively and keep you off, you know, guard as far as not knowing whether it's run or pass, you know, it's tough to defend. It's tough to stop teams from getting 10 yards in two or three plays. So, uh, but if you can, you know, you can dominate the line of scrimmage and you control the running game. Game and, uh, you know, they're looking at second, 10, third, you know, third and 11. And ultimately those are, uh, you know, the percentages for converting those things go way down and uh, puts a huge advantage on the side of the defense.
2: Now, Vandenberg's record overall as a starting quarterback at Iowa is just 11-9, and which seems a bit surprising. But on the road, he's only 2-6. and six
3: that makes me concerned about Saturday, two and six on the road. Uh, you know, but that's, that's big 10 football and, and you got to think of some of the games that, you know, he started against Ohio state a few years back as a sophomore or whatever it was. And, you know, so he's had some, he's played in some tough venues and, and his, you know, has uh, done a nice job, uh, you know, presenting himself in those situations. So, uh, ultimately, you know, this is, this is one of those games, beautiful fall weather leaves are turning a little Christmas in the air, you know, as far as the uh, temperature and it's a chance to go out and, and play again. It's a great program, and and uh, to go two and on the big time.
2: Both defenses ranked highly in national stats. Are you looking for more of a of a defensive standoff and offensive struggles by both teams?
3: Yeah, you know a lot of those stats. You know, I mean they're starting to get a, a better allotment of analysis to look at, but we're still looking. Um, you know, I mean we haven't played a bunch of hammers yet offensively, so I think a lot of, uh, of what we're going to be defensively is to be determined. But ultimately, I mean they they have been doing it when when called upon, and so it's been very very. Impressive with the exception of the uh, the uh, Central Michigan game. I thought they've done a great job of uh, you know, keeping teams you know, out of the uh, end zone you know, consistently.
2: There's some interesting X factors in this game beyond what we've already talked about. And one of them is, while it's clear that neither team can afford to look past this Saturday's game, with Iowa coming back to Kinnick the following week to play Penn State, but Michigan State has to travel to Ann Arbor to play Michigan, its big in-state rival, the following week. And no matter how How hard a coach preaches total 100% focus on the game at hand. In the case of the Spartans, does something like facing Michigan the week after creep into your thoughts as a player?
3: Yeah, it's impossible not to. Unfortunately, to to, to say that doesn't, we'd be fooling ourselves. So, you know, that that is a huge, huge rivalry. I've talked to guys that have played in that game, and, and, um, you know, Coach D'Antonio is going to be smart enough to to make sure that the focus is on Iowa. Uh, You know, they'll they'll be locked in as far as getting ready to play the Black and gold. So, but you know, still, it's it's you know the talk on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday isn't so much about the Iowas as the following you know playing against Michigan. So, uh, and I think inevitably that's going to be cre- creeping in there a little bit and, and, and may may affect their preparation from a little bit just the standpoint of uh, making them not quite as sharp as normal.
2: It's Iowa's first real road game of the year, especially for the younger players. What do players have to do to adjust to that?
3: Uh, hopefully, have great leadership around them. Uh, you know, and and enjoy the environment, enjoy the atmosphere, and not get. Caught up in oh my gosh, you know I mean that's that's the big thing that's that's where you can really have issues is if someone comes in and they're big eyed and you know and they you know, and now they start losing focus on you know what it is they're trying to accomplish you know I mean it's there's so much that goes into making a place successful and if you you know if you check out for a quarter of a second or you don't follow your progressions you know you're gonna have problems so you, I mean you got to stay locked in and you got to stay disciplined and uh, but ultimately enjoy those environments I mean this is one of those great Big Ten settings and and uh, you know a lot of these kids have probably dreamed about some of these games games and now they get a chance to play it.
2: I have another sort of odd X factor stat for you. Iowa's record under Kurt Ferrand's coming off of bye weeks is only three and six. Are bye weeks sort of a double-edged sword for teams?
3: I didn't know that. I thought. I mean, I thought we've done pretty good at that. That's, that's amazing. You know, you, you, we talk about routines a lot, you know, and you get in a routine after four, five, six weeks of, here's what I do on Monday, here's what I do on Tuesday, here's what I do on Wednesday, and you kind of almost can sleepwalk through it, uh, that routine. And then when it changes, you know, oh my gosh, you know, the weekend's coming, you got nothing going on. Unfortunately, some guys decide to go downtown, you know, but uh, that's a whole other story. But, uh, but ultimately, I mean, you, you get out of your routine, and it's, you know, it it's You it almost feel like it's you waste a day or two to get back into that cycle, and then ultimately Thursday and Friday show up and you're ready to play a game. So it, it does take a little bit of adjusting, too, to get used to the bye week.
2: The Big Ten still looks pretty wide open, and you can either say it's there's a lot of parity in the league right now, or there may be some widespread mediocrity, but this is a critical game for both Iowa and Michigan State. What are your keys to Saturday's game in terms of which players offensively and defensively for Iowa do you think are going to be most important in that game?
3: It's got to be Wiseman, you know, and then James Ferentz, um, as far as, you know, getting the, the line calls in and, and getting that, that core group working together and, and being effective and, and uh, you know, picking up, like we talked about last week, or you mentioned it just keeping the quarterback clean and, and and those are the things that if you can do that you, i mean you've got a great chance to be successful and and so those are those are my two keys on offense you know vandenberg's got to just continue to to make plays and and when they're when they present themselves and and ultimately defense i mean this is going to be a physical test These guys are big their backs are big and physical they're tight ends are big guys you know that running can catch so you know when you when you face a team like that you've got to stand up to it uh and be ready to you know push back and, and make sure that they know you're not going to give ground and 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 be a pushover on the night and, and, and uh, if, if our defense does that, you know, I think, like Michigan State's found all year long, Big Ten's pretty talented And in this game. In my opinion, is going to be a lot like it probably was two two or three years ago when McNutt caught the, the pass to win. But uh, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to the last one or two possessions. And, and um, you know, Iowa's been, you know, on, on the positive side of most of those close games in the last few years. Hopefully, they can continue to do that. Prediction? Uh, you know, I think, so I think it'll be close. I think it'll be, uh, you know, a 24 to 23 tight ball game and through and, um, that three, uh, three, uh field goals for Michigan State and, and one for Iowa and it'll be enough to win. Hasn't been easy. It won't be easy.
1: May, ball down on the carpet. Iowa says they've got it and they do. Second turnover they forced today. Kirksey, number 20, is going to come up with it. Who jars it loose? That's number 54, Steve Bigak, the senior out of Cleveland.
0: And if you're Minnesota, you've got to find a way to move the football. You've got to find something positive and then you turn it over. There couldn't be a worse start for Minnesota to this second half.
3: Hawkeyes Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmic.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Music.
0: Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. Our thanks again to ESPN2 for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on hawkeyesmic.com. One passion, many voices.
1: Nice work, everyone. Sharp
3: broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it.
0: This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike,
1: LLC.